The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, May 9th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. Chris, we have not talked about this yet. Let's talk about Dave Chappelle to start this whole thing off. Dave Chappelle was attacked. Uh, when he was performing at the Hollywood Bowl during, uh, what was this, the Netflix is a Joke Festival? Yes. I believe that's what it was called, and I, I've got it on the screen showing the, the video of the man tackling the guy. Uh, I will go ahead and tell you this. Dave Chappelle's head of security is a guy named Jake that used to be the head of security for my buddies in Shinedown. And Jake was one of the guys that kind of handled this guy in the back. Uh, but I was, I was curious your thoughts on the situation because there were a large number of people that thought that the Chris Rock incident at the Oscars would not amount to anything, etc. And yet here we are, what, like a month later, and we have this happen out in L.A. Uh, kind of curious what you think is, uh, is going on there. I know you're a big comedy fan like myself. Yeah, no, so, so I've, I've had a lot of thoughts about this, and then as more stuff comes out, and, and this story evolves, uh, the thoughts begin to evolve with it. First off, this this guy's a moron, okay? This guy, obviously, he's insane, right? Now, I'm not a doctor. I know that's a clinical term. You're not supposed to, like, label people unless you know. Listen, look, I know a lot of insane people. This guy's insane, right? But he's, <laughs> but he's also an idiot, right? So, first off, he gets into this place. And he's got something that looks like a real gun, but it's a knife. Now, I'm not downplaying the dangers or the threat of having a knife, but this is not what you want. You want something that looks like a knife, but it's a real gun, okay? That's, that's what you want if you want to cause danger or havoc. You pull your little, I look like a knife out, guy from 50 yards away, laughs at you and says, ha, that dummy's got a knife. He's way over there. Bam! There you go. You're dead. How you like that? <laughs> So, like, this guy's an idiot on the surface. But but you talked about how he got worked. That's, that's an important thing that needed to happen here. Because what we see is we saw Will Smith do it, and a lot of people thought, well, this is going to lead to other people feeling comfortable and confident doing this. Empowered and then almost. We get to see, yeah, yeah. And now we get to see 
the reaction to that, where if you feel empowered, brother, you better be powered, okay? All right? And and I'm not talking by the Holy Spirit here, okay? You better be empowered <laughs> by something else because you probably going to get your ass whooped yes. to a point where you're never going to look the same again. Yes. I mean, just ridiculous. Like, it, I, I, why? So it is definitely a good thing that something did happen to him that did not involve him just going to jail on some kind of misdemeanor or whatever. Uh, Zach, that we've had on the show, Zach Myers, has talked about this. And this all changed back when Dimebag Daryl got shot on stage forever ago. Uh, the former Pantera yeah. guitar player, he was in a band called, uh, oh God, is it Damage Inc., I think was, um, but or Damage Plan, excuse me. But uh, he was shot on stage. And it was because, like, security didn't really think that much about what was going on. Like, people rushed the stage all the time. Like, whatever. It, it's a whole well, different world now. You know? We, we are we are definitely lucky that that Dave had the support there that he had because the local security was completely worthless, less than useless, and, and all this stuff. Here, here are some other thoughts about this. Um, first off, so the, like, his sentencing kind of came down, Okay. And, and I got two two major things. First off, big thing I'll, I'll circle back to, uh, they did not charge him with a felony. I thought that was strange, and, and I'll come back to that in a minute. The, the second thing, he got hit with a restraining order. This restraining order says he cannot come within 140 yards of Dave Chappelle. And, and we, have, we talk about how we have antiquated laws all the time and how some laws just don't make sense. Listen, I don't know what 140 yards used to be, but today there are high school kids. My, my buddy Chris Davenport, he listens to the show. He, he'll hear his name talk about here. He, he's, he's, he's a high school football little, coach. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a high school football coach, and, uh, and he also is like the strength and conditioning guy and works with the track folks. Uh, I bet he's got some guys that could cover 140 yards in like 13 seconds. Yeah. Okay, keeping somebody 140 yards away from you ain't far enough in today's world, all right? Your head's got to be on a swivel at all times if in less than 15 seconds an average human being could be on you and get close to the gap of 140, 140 yards. That's, that's just preposterous. That's ridiculous. Me and you, more me than you, talk shit about professional athletes all the time, okay? <laughs> I have talked a lot of shit about guys like Tyreek Hill. In the past, all right? If I could literally be eye-to-eye contact with Tyreek Hill if he had a restraining order against me. And if he wanted to break it, he would destroy me. Before yeah. I could do anything about it if he's got 140 yards between he and I. Yeah. That, that, that's not helping anybody. That's not stopping anything. But you, okay? we, got a, we got a bunch of football fans that listen to this. 140 yards, not even one and a half football fields. Like, no, it's, it's no. ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, so, so we got to fix that. The second thing, him not being charged with a felony, my first thought was, that's just insane. My second thought, see, I always try to find a positive in it, okay? Of course. So let's let's say, let's say life is going bad for you, all right? And, and let's say one day you come home, and it, maybe not you, maybe not me, but somebody finds his wife being plowed by another guy, right? And you want to destroy that guy, but you live in some state with some low tolerance, no tolerance uh, uh, laws, crime laws. The first thing you need to do is just send this guy on an all-expense-paid trip, charge the credit card up, to, to Los Angeles County. A hundred percent. And then you just fly there, and as soon as y'all are off the airport, 
uh, parking area because that's all like federally regulated. You don't want to mess with the feds. Then you just go to town on this homie. Okay, and you do anything you want to him. Isn't it crazy? And you slap with. Like, isn't it crazy to think about? You misdemeanor. You play a couple hundred dollar fine, and you hop on a plane, you drive home. How how crazy is this? Because California used to be the the three star. Uh, it's where they started strikes. three strikes. It's it's where three strikes started, and now now you can take something that is an absolute lethal weapon, break, go in through a, a, a private public place, get on stage, and publicly attack somebody. While having this lethal weapon on you, and not get charged with anything other than a minor misdemeanor, it's insane. It's just insane. I, I don't get that's it. That's why you get caught smoking a cigarette in California in a building. You're gonna get a harsher penalty than this. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, my wife was. We're, we're discussing the idea of moving at some point, not in the near future, but we have talked California versus Florida. Uh, Texas, Alabama, Kentucky, like all these different places, right? We're just looking at pros and cons yep. of whatever uh, because we, we don't want to be uh, where we are for eternity, right? And I've got a daughter that's about to graduate high school next year. We're going to start looking around just to see. Um, but we have, we've talked about all these and the crime rate in some of these places because we, we've thought about the idea of moving to bigger cities and all that. That's right. And it is absolutely insane. When you dig into the crime rate in California right now, and and what people are allowed to get away with, it is mind-boggling. Well, the, the, the issue is, is like if you look at the crime rate in Chicago, but then you see that like all of that crime happens like in inner cities, in dangerous parts of the area. So as long as you don't go into those dangerous parts, you're probably fine, right? But in but in L.A. County, man, there's almost I mean, unless you can live in Yakin, you know, La Cunada, are one of the like super rich areas of yeah. town. Like, like the crime is a everywhere and B they're random attacks. Okay. This is not the guy going to take a lead pipe to somebody who's plowing his wife. This is a guy that's just walking down the street with a machete and just starts hacking folks when the spirit moves him. Yes. Yes. You're right. Like, I don't understand it. I don't, I'll, I'll never understand it. I don't get any of it. Uh, but it, it anyway. blew my mind to see this. Yeah. Cause that, all of this is wild. All of this is crazy and none of it makes sense to me. I think, think about some of these smaller clubs that wouldn't have like not, not every comedian has a security detail. Oh no, no. My, my first thought was the guys that I like the, the Mark Norman, the Joe list. Yeah. Like, like these are just rando dudes that are like kind of smaller guys. They don't have an entourage. They don't even travel with like, their agent or manager or anything like that. I mean, they're just by themselves on a stage and that's it. Yes. That's it. It's, it's mind blowing. Absolutely. Mind blowing. I don't understand it, but I, and I never will. Like I, hopefully no. something gets done that proves a point. Uh, maybe not necessarily in California, but in some of these other States where the laws might be a little more strict, but the fact that you can get up there with a weapon and physically attack somebody and you get a misdemeanor, is it's so stupid. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's so dumb. Pretty pretty wild. Let's uh, let's move into the sports world. And my brother, uh, first off, I tweeted out on Saturday morning that I made two bets on uh, on the Kentucky Derby. One was uh, White Aberio, Aberio, whatever it is, 
uh, to finish top five at plus 190, and I had Mo Donegal to finish top five at plus 150. So Mo Donegal did finish fifth, so that worked out well for me. I ended up with a profit on the day. That was good. Uh, but let's let's talk about this whole rich strike deal. Uh, wasn't even supposed to be in the field. And, and of course, when I was explaining it to uh, my in-laws and when I was out of town this weekend, but when we were watching the race, they kept asking why did they not go like 1 through 20? Why did they do 1 through 19 and then 21? I said, because that race or that uh, horse had to jump in kind of last minute, right? It was supposed to be another horse. And this one hopped in as number 21. And all of a sudden, this thing picks up speed that has never been seen on this track before and ends up winning as an 84 to 1 at most places and 80 to 1 at some other places. Underdog. 80 to 1. And this this race, like this horse wasn't even supposed to be in the race. So Rich Strike well, gets the win in the 148th well, Kentucky Derby. Uh, literally Saturday, yeah. Saturday was told you're going to be in, then later told you're not going to be in, and then told again last minute, okay, yeah, you are in. Yes, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> like, now, now, the nice thing is the horse doesn't know any of that. Okay, no. that like that like this is not like you you know you 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 told Tom Brady, hey, you're gonna you're, you're gonna make it to the Super Bowl. Oh no, sorry, you're not. Oh yeah, tomorrow you are playing at like eleven o'clock in the evening. <laughs> like like the horse doesn't have emotions or feelings like that because it doesn't know what's going on. No. It's just wondering is he getting fed? When's he getting walked? You know, what, yeah, he just what, wants what, to whatever. The, yeah. Yeah, is there a mayor around? You know, what, what's going on? That's all he cares about. He's just a horse. Now, is there a mayor when around? I saw like this, it? when I saw this, Gary, I, I hate to say this. God, I hate to say it. I hate that I have become this guy. I hate that I have become the most cynical bastard on the planet. When I saw him close the way he closed, my first thought was as well, this is now um, uh, cycling. Okay. Yes. This is now the Tour de France. It's what this is. This horse is going to get popped for some type of steroid because I've never I seen a horse run like that. Yeah. I've never seen a horse run like that at the end of a race. I've never seen that in my life, and I grew up with a bunch of Italian gamblers <laughs> who bet on horses. I well, drove I mean, my what? Uncle Ouija Chris, to Chris the Felica. dog track. Yeah. I, I drove my Uncle Ouija to the dog track a couple of times every summer uh, during, 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 you know, race season or whatever. And I always used to ask him, Weej, you like the dogs? And he used to tell me all the time, I wouldn't bet one fucking nickel on no fucking dog. He said, I watch the horses. And we go up there and we bet the horses. Well, he bet them. I just drove. I didn't do anything. You but bet, like, yeah, like this is, this is, this is what we do. I've never seen this ever in my life. Chris Felica tweeted out and said, this is a public service announcement. Never bet the Kentucky Derby again. A bigger joke result than mine that bird. I... Now, hang, hang on. If the horse turns out to be clean, then then we got to stop saying that. Okay? That was where my thought went. I would have thought if it was dirty, we would know by now. But, I mean, it's Monday afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Yeah. And... And there's been no news dropped. I have to assume that my assumption originally was wrong. I, I cannot believe that that it was clean. I just I can't. The jockey was. Oh, I, just, I can't. I can't either. I just can't oh. either. I mean, like I said, 
I, when I saw it, my first thought was, is, oh, we're now, this is now cycling. You yeah. just you just juice the horse up, you win the derby, you get all the headlines, and then two days later, they strip you of your title. But nobody gives a shit because everybody in the world has already cast their tickets. It's just a giant racket. Yeah. Like I, I Anybody who was in the know – just already ca- they already got the damn money so who cares i started looking into whether or not uh, bob baffert was uh was associated with this <laughs> all right hang on, hang on. He's not, so. so i follow i follow a couple of guys who who actually follow horse racing okay. all right all of them say 100% bob baffert's one of the best guys they've ever met well yeah and 100% of all of bob baffert's like quote unquote problems are all super minor and every one of them are like this is a drug that's legal and they are a little bit over the legal limit that you're allowed to have. Okay. okay. So like you're yeah. okay to give the horse this drug. You just can't give it so much. And so if it's 20 milliliters, they gave it 23 milliliters gotcha. and, and that's a problem. So, so no, 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 he's, he's never, he's never juiced up a horse before ever. I know that a lot of people shit on him, and, 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 and our boys from West lot, you know, some of those guys crap on him all the time. Listen, he plays it very close to the edge. He has consistently done that. That is not what separates him from winning and losing. Makes sense. They test the winning horses. They don't test the losing horses. Yeah. In, in this situation, now, it, was it Monday last year when all that came down, when they tested that horse and it was whatever? Or was it like – I think – I don't remember what I it don't was. remember. Yeah. No. no. No, no, yeah, it, it was a year ago, Gary. I have no idea. Yeah, I, <laughs> that might as well have been six years ago. I have no idea. That's what I keep but waiting. I would have, I would have thought I would have known by now, but maybe not. Maybe by Monday after the race, we had no clue. Uh, who knows? I know this. That jockey, th- that jockey was was grabbing the back of that uh, horse's mane and like pushing the head forward. <laughs> like it was the cr- roughest, craziest ride I have seen. Uh, at the Kentucky Derby in a while. Like, it just it well, seemed other, egregious. Look, I don't know how horses react to horse steroids, all right? I just know how – I watched the program once, and, and, and a human being was supposedly on horse steroids, and he put his head through a car windshield and, like, like, like ran crazy. When that race was over, this horse just finished running an incredibly intense race, and all it wanted to do was fight this other horse. Yes, the trainer horse. Like, <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, holy shit, this thing's got roid rage. That gave me even more credibility of thinking this thing is juiced up. That's I, I thought look the how, same thing. Look how angry, look how angry and pissed off it is, man. They have overdone it. And instead, but like I said, these are these are horrible accusations that we're throwing on these folks, and we don't have a clue. And I would have thought we'd know by now. I cannot believe we made it all Sunday. And all Monday, and nothing. And I thought, I can't. I just can't believe this horse that we've never heard of or never seen didn't just win. It blew by everybody. Yes, that's. I, I just I, none of it made sense to me. Like when when no. a horse like that just gets added last minute, it's like, well, of course you don't expect it to win. And, and the longest odds the horses, to ever the, win the derby. The horse has never won a. He's never won a race, Gary. And it's all of a sudden, he just wins the biggest race of all time. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious to see this. If the horse doesn't test positive, what do you think? What do you think the odds are on the next race? Because I think 
it's going to be bad. I don't think anybody believes in this horse at all. And I think we're not going to get 80 to one, but, but we're probably going to get 25. It's going to be the longest odds of any Derby winner in history. Oh, probably so. Yeah. When the Preakness comes around, this horse will not be the favorite. Like I, no, there's no, there's not, no way. not just not the favorite. It might be the biggest dog in the race again. It might, might be. not be eighty to one, but it might be the biggest dog because the Preakness never has twenty horses. Yeah. Preakness ain't gonna be this deep. Nope, nope. You are correct about that. I, I'm curious. I'm curious to it see was what's wild. gonna happen. I, it was fun watching, but like I said, man, I just don't. I still don't believe what I saw. No, no, I don't. And either. I don't know how it happened naturally. That's the that's the point, right? Like, how did this happen naturally? And it makes me feel like a dick because I, if it is clean, then I've just spent twenty minutes shitting on it. <laughs> but we didn't say anything wrong. It's just this is such an unbelievable result, and you've got examples of this happening, right? But they, but none like of them look be like so that. Good at something. I would like to be so good at something that people think I'm cheating. Like Greg Maddox, historically, used to all the time after – I mean, there was like one at-bat. He threw like seven pitches straight before he struck the guy out. After every single pitch, the batter asked the ump to check the ball. <laughs> after everyone – and every one of them, the ball was perfectly clean. Yeah. And Greg just laughed. Like he didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He just laughed. He just stood on the mound and laughed, and then he threw junk. And he threw another junk pitch. And he threw another junk pitch. I'd love to be so good at something that everybody around thinks I'm cheating. Yeah. That I can, nobody I can see thinks that. it's possible to do it as well as I'm doing without cheating. That's a, it makes you wonder, like maybe this maybe this horse has been doing insanely well on its own track, like not running any of the races, just so that they could have this moment. Right, because the the guy, like bought, the owner, we we, I, Gary, I could I could have bought this damn horse Friday. I could have bought this horse Friday for what I got in the checking account. That is we could have went in together, and 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 me, you, and the West Live Boys could have bought this damn horse for what we spent on vacation. Well, One the, vacation. The owner uh, of the horse bet on his horse and won like forty million dollars. Well, you got to because as soon as soon as as soon as he won, the first thing I thought of was. What does the owner win if you win the Derby? And I think it's only like four million bucks. No, it's less like, than that. I think it's, it's like one point eight. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money at all. So if you have the favorite and you bet a lot on yourself and you win, like you still don't win like life changing money. Exactly. Okay? Like I could like I could blow through one point three million dollars in a weekend, right? <laughs> but, but, It'd have to but, be a good weekend. But like, <laughs> But like, but oh well, no. I mean, no. I mean, it's not going to be a shitty weekend sitting on my ass at home. No, but, of course not. But I could do it, <laughs> but I, I, I could not blow through forty million like that's Yeah, like I, I would die before I could spend it all. That's it's it's really in, in insane. Like, like it's a crazy story. That's 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 life changing money. Yes, like, that is absolute life. And we could have had that horse for like a couple thousand dollars. The horse was selling for sale Friday. They were trying to sell the horse for thirty grand. Ooh. Yeah, we could have done that. Thirty grand. We could have done that. Me, you, and the West Side Boys could have bought that for what we spent on a vacation. What? The, I mean, talking like a ball or badass Disney vacation. I'm talking like just a random, like you know, four days at the beach vacation. Yeah, yeah, we could have done that. We could have easily done that. And yet, the guy that owns this horse got him into the Derby. 
And now he's forty million dollars richer, and he's got a Kentucky Derby winner. Just crazy. So now we got to figure out how to convince our wives that the next time we see the Friday before a Derby, a horse that's possibly going to be in the Derby for sale for thirty grand, how do we convince them to allow us to do that? <laughs> I don't know that that's possible, but uh, but we can think about it for a while. We got a year. Oh, listen, listen. We talked them into marrying us. We can talk them into anything. Hey, we are a, we are a persuasive bunch. I will certainly say that. <laughs> I will certainly say that. Uh, let's go on and knock out the uh, the podcast reads for today's show. Website, of course, you know it, winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to know about us, you can find over there. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube page or to the podcast, go ahead and do so now. You can press pause on this thing and go ahead and get ready to prep yourself for the next episode and whatnot. Because on today's show, coming up here in just a minute... We are starting our college football previews for the 2022 season. We're starting with the MAC East today. So, YouTube, jump in the chat, jump in the comments. We would love to hear your thoughts on everything that we're talking about. Uh, and, of course, with the podcast, leave us a nice five-star review. That's what we want from you, a five-star review that is written. Give us some something you like about the show or something you hate about the show that you want to say. I don't know. Ask a question. Anything. Just toss in a written review that is five stars on your podcast app. That is Apple, Spotify, whatever. Go ahead and knock that out. Along with that, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at GaryWCE. Chris is at ChrisBGiannini. And the show is at WinningCures. All of that's on Twitter. DMs are open. You can tweet at us. You can do whatever. We will do our best to respond in a timely manner. And along with that, if you want to see more of my smiling mug, you can do so over at BetUSTV.com. We do a ton of how-to-gamble-on-sports videos and... Of course, this year, the BetUS College Football Show is coming back, and uh, and you may see me on the BetUS NFL Show. So we'll, we'll see what's going on with that. But lots to see over at BetUSTV.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Chris Giannini, let's talk NFL for just a second. The 49ers, we thought that they were going to keep Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. And there are rumors out today from, you know, some uh, some pretty good people. they got some pretty good sources that the 49ers are aiming to deal the quarterback just before the 2022 training camp. Now, these reports don't say anything about you know, what kind of uh, deal he might have in place, some kind of contract incentive for him to show up at training camp, whatever. But I, I would imagine that that has to be it. I, I don't... It seemed like they would have maybe looked to trade him before the draft. Why would they wait this long? Well, I, I, I think they probably did try and they just didn't get the offer they wanted. I do think... Um, we talked about this off air. I do think the reason it's before training camp is probably because he's got some type of training camp bonus or something, and they're just trying to save a couple shekels. And that would make sense. Uh, so, so look at this. Would you take Jimmy Garoppolo at a cap hit of $26.95 million next year, or would you take Baker Mayfield 
at a cap hit of around $18 million for next year, which would look more uh, uh, enticing. So from a pure X's and O's, I would take probably Baker, but um, it, it, there are – like the reports out of Cleveland are one of the reasons Cleveland pursued so hard Watson was Baker um, lost the locker room yeah. in the Odell Beckham issue. Like the way ba- – <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Now you're all good. The way ba- the way Baker handled the Odell Beckham like situation uh, turned a lot of guys in the locker room off. Uh, that report came out mm, late last week, I think it was, and um, and and so if that's the case, uh, then I think those things um, are tough to to fly around uh, other locker rooms, and so I, I would take my chances with Jimmy G who, by all intents and purposes, has proven to be a, at least a really good teammate. That would make sense. That would certainly make sense. It's, uh, it's I, I think it's, I think it's close. I think it's close enough to where the $4 billion difference ain't, doesn't bother me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's $9 million, but it's... Oh, uh, yeah. I thought you said Jimmy was 23, 26, I'm guessing. No, no, he's 20, 26.95, and Baker is okay. 18. So, so basically 27 right, so, and yeah, 18. Um, yeah. 27 and 18. I was thinking 23 think, and 18. I think it's okay. still worth it because it's still only a one year but still, deal. Like, well, yeah, it, you're talking, you're not talking a lot of money in the grand scheme of quarterbacks. And, um, you know, I just think we've seen Jimmy lead a team to a Super Bowl. If he can stay healthy, he's not going to be the reason you win games, uh, but he rarely will be the reason you lose games. Like, he's not going to be the Ryan Tannehill that's probably going to throw, he, he, he might throw us, you know, a soul crushing interception here or there, but he's not going to throw three. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, let's uh, let's go on and talk really quick about the ACC. We talked about the Mountain West last week, and the Mountain West is looking at eliminating divisions in college football for their conference starting in 2023. Well, now we do have a report from Pete Thamel from literally, uh, let's see, about 40 minutes ago. That says, uh, sources under discussion this week at ACC meetings will be the future of scheduling, including the potential to eliminate divisions as early as 2023. This was discussed last week on calls to set up the meetings. I, this is going to happen with every conference. Like, I am 100% convinced at this point that we will not have divisions going forward because we are going to set up the best championship games that we can get in these conferences and make that somewhat of a play-in round for the playoffs. Like, I would be totally fine, honestly, if they expanded the playoff and then just did away with the conference championship game, but there's so much money tied up in those TV contracts for the championship game. The teams aren't going to do that. The conferences aren't going to do that. Exactly. So you want to have a conference championship game in order to get there uh, I would imagine they will still expand the playoff. We've talked about that a ton, but uh, but you still feel kind of the same as you did last week. I would imagine with uh, with these conferences deciding to do away with divisions. Well, I totally understand why the smaller conferences are doing it because they need those extra big wins, like you know beating up a team that that possibly could have a, a you know barely five hundred record doesn't do anything for you if you're a G five school, but now that we're thinking about if it's going to take a couple of years before the, you know, they expand the playoffs, then these power five schools that are on the lower tier of that power five, 
the ACC being absolutely one of them, uh, they probably could use a much better win at the end of the year than, um, you know, beating up a team, you know, from the other division that, you know, might not be very good in the grand scheme of the national rankings. I mean, we've had several of these games where the other side of the aisle, even in the Power Five conferences, they're barely ranked if they're, you know, and some of them might not even be ranked. Yeah. Playing in their championship game. Well, look, look that, at look that, at this. Uh, in the ACC Atlantic, you have Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Boston College. Right. Uh, one of yep. those every year has to play against either Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami, North Carolina, Pitt, Virginia, or Virginia Tech. Hey, give me a Clemson, Florida State ACC championship game. I'm totally That's fine right. with that. Like. Don't make it where, or, or give me North Carolina, Virginia Tech, or something along those lines where it doesn't matter what the division is. Like, just give me the they two need, best teams. Over the last several years, the ACC could have used a better championship game to help bolster their way in. Now, 100%. on the years where Clemson, Clemson's just been absolutely dominant, it, it hadn't mattered. But, you know, pending Clemson not being absolutely dominant, you know, it, it, it could matter. It absolutely could. It absolutely could. All right, let's jump off of that. You ready to uh, jump into 2022 football previews? Yeah, I can't say I know enough about these teams, but, you know, it's early. I got I got picks. All right, let's go. That's, that's what we're looking for. That is 100% what we are looking for. The MAC East 2022 Conference Division Preview will start off with... Da, da, da. Get this put up on the screen here. Kent State. The Kent State Golden Flashes. They were 7-7 seven and seven last year. Their head coach, Sean Lewis, of course. Their conference record was 6-2. and two. This year, uh, they are projected to go 5-7, and seven, according to SP+. Now, along with that, uh, you look at their returning production. They are number 117 in the country, according to Bill Conley over at ESPN. That's 53%. Offense, no, it's 44%, number 121. Defense was never that great last year. They were returning 62%. Uh, let's talk about big losses. Quarterback Dustin Crum, the wide receiver Nikeem Johnson. They lost two starting offensive linemen. Who are the top players coming back here? Running back Marquez Cooper, cornerback Montre Miller, and then, of course, you got wide receiver Dante Cephas. Uh, let me tell you what you need to know about the offense, all right? What we're curious about is can the presumptive starting quarterback here, uh, Colin Schley, I hope that's the name or the way that you say the name, can he find a way to replace Dustin Crum's productivity? Crum was uh, was a fantasy football favorite as far as college fantasy football goes. Uh, when they lose the top quarterback, two of their top three wide receivers, multiple starting offensive linemen, like you know what you're going to get from a Sean Lewis offense, but what is what are we going to get from the quarterback? Right, we know what Lewis wants to do. He was Dino Baber's guy for a long time. Um, can you just replace that? Like we've seen this happen a lot of times, Chris, with Hugh Freeze and and other of these offensive-minded coaches, Gus Malzahn, etc. We know what the system is. We know what they're doing. Do you think that this bunch, even with only forty-four percent returning production, can you just put new guys in and expect that offense to flow like that? Uh, to an extent, I do trust that they can do that. Um, Especially in this maybe conference, all, maybe, right? Yeah, I was about to say, at, at a national level, that's a that's a hard thing to, to, to predict. 
But, yeah, in this conference where we don't think there's a whole lot of strength, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be okay. I, I like them uh, this year better than I have. There's a world where in systems like this, I, I never worry about replacing the quarterback. I just don't because I've seen it, yeah. too many of them. I've seen too many of them. I, I know it sounds crazy because it's the most important position in sports, the most important position on the team, but I've seen too many of them just come in and look exactly like the guy they replaced that was the best that that school had ever seen. And, and that, it's like true. the offenses just get better. The system just gets tighter. And the position players, the role players, make more of an impact or have more of a, 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 a determining factor on, you know, success or failures of the team than the quarterback does. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that the offense is going to be just fine. They were number 21 in offensive PPA per drive last year. The defense, that's where we have had an issue. They were number 122 in the country in defensive PPA. PPA, by the way, is predicted points added. Uh, they were 117 in defensive rushing success rate, number 116 in defensive passing success rate. Uh, but they did do something to try and get that thing back on track and that is they went and hired defensive coordinator Jeremiah Johnson from Northern Iowa. In FCS, Northern Iowa has been pretty brutal on defense. They have been off, like, not awful, excuse me, awesome. Like, they've been really, really strong on that side of the ball. Uh, they are the kind of team that plays physical on both sides. They like to run the ball down your throat, and their defense really lights you up. Uh, defensive backs, Montre Miller and Nico Bolden, they should lock down the secondary. They need their defensive linemen uh, like Zayn West and C.J. West, along with the linebackers, Harmon and Coleman. You need them to step up here. Uh, you know, it, if they can mirror last season's close game record, they went 4-0, then they're going to be really successful, right? 4-0 in, in one possession games last year. Uh, they have dominated the MAC since Lewis got into uh, into the league. They're 14-6. and since 2019, uh, if you can find a quarterback that can run this offense, then they should be pretty good. The issue, of course, being the ridiculous non-conference schedule where they play at Washington, at Oklahoma, and at Georgia, and then they've got LIU as uh, as their lone home non-conference game. Uh, the schedule looks, you know, feasible. Like I've got them going six and six here. I think I think six and six would be a really really good year, especially after losing all that production. Yeah, so I've got them seven and five. So I've got them one day and better than you. That's it. But, like, I don't think they're going to miss much of a beat. I think they're going to lose all those non-con games except for, you know, the the hyphenated school. And then other than that, you know, you know they'll they'll be competitive and, uh, and should have a chance to win all of the MAC games. I don't think they will win them all, but, but I think they'll be competitive. And uh, I definitely think they have the easier side of the division. To yeah. you know, yeah, to do. do to do a much better job against you know their division. Yeah, I could uh, I could get with you on that. I can get with you on that. All right, so you've got them seven and five. I've got them six and six. Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of uh, really high win totals for the teams in the MAC East. I'll, I'll certainly say that. Let's move ahead, and we are jumping into the Miami Ohio Redhawks. So we'll toss it up on the screen here. And Miami of Ohio 
seven and six We're last basically year. Basically, going in order of you know how they finished last year. That's yes, that is the order that I'm okay. going here. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out like the math on how we're doing this. Yes, like, the order of their their finish from last year. So uh, Chuck Martin, okay. the head coach here, seven and six last year. They went five and three in the conference. I'm going to do this for every conference, uh, doing it in alphabetical order. Uh, just a little old. Like I, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about that. I wanted to do it a little bit different this year. So going in the order of finish from 2021. That's that's the way I'm going here. Uh, so yes, the Red Hawks. Five and three in conference last year. Their projected SP plus record this year seven and five. Uh, they are only returning forty seven percent of their defensive players or their defensive production. That's number one hundred and twenty in the country. Their offense though does bring back seventy six percent. That's number thirty six. So that's uh, that's pretty good. They lost wide receiver Jack Sorensen. They lost uh, their safety Sterling Weatherford, defensive end Cameron Butler, linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. Etc. Uh, the top players for this year, the guys that they are going to lean on, the quarterback, Brett Gabbert, the wide receiver. Uh, let, let's see if I can do this. Mac Hippenhammer, <laughs> linebacker Matt Selepek, and the safety Michael Dowell, who is a transfer from Michigan State. Uh, I think he's going to play a key role here. They lost a lot on the defensive line. That's where we're going to start with Chuck Martin because that's how his teams have typically lined up and done well with um, they lost a lot to, to graduation, a lot to transfer. I mean, they've always been their best at stopping the run, and now you got to just kind of plug holes and, and figure it out. Uh, the question here is, can the incoming transfers, new you know new names, find a way to keep this defense running top flight? Uh, they're going to need to find a way to limit opponents in the passing attack because they were number 86 in defensive passing success rate last year, number 93 in defensive explosive rate given up. Uh, so they they were good, you know, against the run, but teams could throw on them, which is why you know they ended up seven and six last year. Uh, and you know they won the bowl game; they beat North Texas, so I guess that's good. Uh, you know, projected SP Plus record this year is seven and five. Uh, you look at the schedule, you know, again with these MAC teams in their non conference, they're going to collect checks. I understand, but they play at Kentucky, uh, Robert Morris versus Cincinnati, and then at Northwestern, like it. They, maybe they got a shot against Northwestern. Uh, I would imagine they'll handle Robert Morris. You know, the the big thing here is going to be Gabbert coming back for his senior season, the quarterback. The offensive line needs to reestablish the run game this year because they were not good last year. Number 96 in rushing success rate, which is strange for that bunch. But uh, but Gabbert is is a good foundational piece. I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this bunch. We We both like Chuck Martin. Right? We, we've yes. always kind of liked him. But if you don't get that offense going and now your defense takes a hit, this could get a little tricky. What would say you? Yeah, I, I, I like this team. I think they're going to be okay. Uh, kind of only in the concept that I don't think their non-cons that super hard. I, I mean, obviously, Kentucky and Cincinnati are big time. Um, not to upset our Northwestern boys, but Northwestern historically just does really bad against G5 schools. Uh, and, <laughs> that, that you know, Robert true. Morris doesn't scare me. So yeah. I'm actually counting that as a win for them. I got them 7-5. and five. Uh, it, And once again, that is, I think they are better than the rest of the East. And I think they'll pull off one of these big um, non-con wins. And that's strictly just the Northwestern Mac math that I've seen in the past. 
I could uh, I could see that. Um, they they do have a schedule that that lends itself to to helping, right? They've got Kent State, Western Michigan, Ohio, and Ball State all at home. Uh, yep. Defensive line is going to have to develop quickly, like very quickly. Oh, um, I I agree, but but it's Miami, Ohio, man. They're, they're like these Midwestern small schools. Um, they're they're going to be able to get you know big guys that know how to tackle. They're not going to have the speed that you know power schools have. But but they got big strong dudes and they usually are coached up well and, and can tackle. So defensively, I'm actually not super worried. I got you. I got you. See, so you've got them seven but, but five. That's, that's that's strictly Mac bias. That's all it is. Is I've been watching the Mac for a long time, and and if you've got a lot of you know speed, you can sometimes make them look bad. But if you're going to match them power for power, it's really hard to blow one of these teams out. I do want to know who is going to be uh, the wide receiver for Gabbert, right? His favorite guy last year, wide receiver Jack Sorensen. Uh, he averaged over 108 yards per game last year. You know, who is going to be the guy? And then we've got to figure out, can the offense identify a lead back? I would imagine they'll come up with something. Like, you and I trust Chuck Martin to be able to get this thing done, right? You, you've you got him yeah, 75. Well, yeah. Like, I've got 6-6. Six and six. Would 75 surprise me? Absolutely not. I, this is a and good I don't- team. Here's the thing. I don't know that one guy's going to do that. I don't know that one guy's going to replace them. You know, could they have three or four guys, you know, add up to all those yards? I don't know that the offense takes a huge hit. They just find somebody else that's getting open. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And it could be a rotation of guys. We'll move on to Ohio. And, of course, the Bobcats, after Frank Solich retired, uh, did not do so well under Coach Tim Albin last year, uh, or Albin, however you want to say it. Went three and nine last year, three and five in the conference. So they lost all of their non-conference games. They they looked putrid in a lot of them. A uh, big part of this was they were not explosive on offense, and their defense just gave up whatever anybody wanted at any point. Their their passing success rate on defense was number one twenty two. That ain't good out of one hundred thirty teams. Um, they lost a ton of guys. Yep. Uh, quarterback Amari Rogers, uh, the running back Demontre Tuggle, wide receiver Cameron Odom, left tackle TJ Jackson, uh, Evans, the defensive end, Cox, the wide receiver. Uh, but they do have, you know, some top players for us to talk about. O'Shawn Allison, the running back, he is uh, he's coming back here. Linebacker Cannon Blouser, defensive tackle Rodney Matthews, and of course the quarterback Curtis Rourke. Um, that was Nathan Rourke's little brother. That's the one that everybody kind of thought was going to be the lead guy anyway. And and he did get a lot of play last year. This defense was awful. Their PPA margin was awful last year. Uh, net points per drive was awful, number 101 in the country. Turnover margin was number 116. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. And part of that might have been the fact that Frank Solich retired, you know, right before fall camp, really. I was about like to say, he, he, he left real or uh not early real late, real late yeah. in the in the schedule and that's that's hard on a team man that's definitely harder on a new coach oh especially uh the offense coordinator Tim Albin had been there for a long long time he knows that offense he's been running Solich's thing for I mean well over a decade but it's still difficult you know to to bring that in and to let him kind of just make the like all the decisions right that's what's so that's tough right. about it um Two of the rushers are gone. We'll talk about the offense here. Uh, one of them is quarterback Armani Rogers. He was their third leading rusher. Um, 
I'm sorry, he was their second leading rusher. The third leading rusher was quarterback Curtis Rourke. So you got to find a running back that's going to step up. I would imagine it's O'Shawn Allison. You know, we'll see. Uh, they ran the ball 58% of the time in 2021. Uh, are they going to open up the passing game to to create some more explosive plays? Um, it, you know, what they'll, what they'll want to do, they've got Rice transfer uh, August Petrie the third coming in. And I would imagine that he is going to be able to do something big this year for that offense. He, he should be able to allow them to open it up a little more. On the defense... Uh, they did hire new defensive coordinator Spence Novinsky, who was at Miami of Ohio as the co-DC and linebackers coach for the last four seasons. Uh, we saw what Miami of Ohio was capable of doing. Like he's he's a co-DC there. He should know how that bunch operates. How quickly can he install that new defensive philosophy? Um, it centers around stopping the run, pressure in the quarterback. Miami was number 54 in yards per rush defense last year, number 24 in sacks, number 8 in tackles for loss. They're going to be aggressive. I would imagine, under the new guy. Uh, linebackers, like they appear set with uh, Bryce Houston, Cannon Blouser, but is there enough talent? Is there enough depth, um, you know, along the defensive line and the secondary in order for this bunch to be uh, successful? And I don't know the answer to that yet. Like, we'll we'll find out, I would imagine. Uh, keys to the season, for me, uh, defense needs to create more turnovers, actually slow down the opponent passing game, uh, and then the offense needs to create explosive plays and not turn the ball over. Like, this, this seems pretty cut and dry. Uh, don't get yourself beat. <laughs> what, what do you think about this bunch? Man, I think they're going to struggle. Uh, don't think they're going to be very good. I do think they'll take a step forward. I don't. I think they'll be more competitive in games that, that even they might not win. But but I think, like I said, they'll, they'll be on the more competitive side of the ball, of, of, of the outcome of the game. I got them, I got them four and eight. That's exactly where I've got them. <laughs> so, I don't like I said, not 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 great, but I think they'll look better than they looked last year. I do think defensively they'll be better because they can't almost be worse. Yeah. Um, and uh, and offensively, so so here's what what I like about the the kid from Rice coming in. Their second leading rusher last year was their quarterback. They're going to have the ability to open things up because I think they got somebody who can throw the football with a little more accuracy. He's going to sit back in the pocket, find the open guy. Um, where this goes to hell in a handbasket is if guys can't get open and he's not very accurate because he doesn't have the ability to run, it could get uglier. Well, no, he, but I just he, don't. so he he can run. He's not uh, he's not Armani Rogers. Uh, well, he's not Armani. You know. what, okay. That's what I'm trying to say. They're gonna. He, I don't think you're going to run the same offense as you ran last year because you don't have that kind of ability. You might be right about that. That's a, you. You might be onto something there. I'm. I'm very curious about it because they they've got to do something to create some explosive plays here. Uh, yeah, but on the same thing, like I said, we talked about this. Like they often, they, they also just can't be as bad on defense as they were. Like that's oh. that's almost mathematically impossible, and and so we just work under the assumption they're going to improve there. So yep. that that means they're going to be more competitive and they're going to be in more ball games, which should lead to more wins. It's a tough schedule. I got, them, though. I got them. I got them one more win, but it's a tough schedule. Yeah. Me and you talked offline about this. I'll say this now. Um, I think the Mac was was instructed because I've never seen them do this before they've always gone on the road to a big power five school gotten a check and and played in a big stadium 
you know, once, maybe twice a season. Almost every one of these teams are doing it three times this year. And yeah. and I think I think that comes from an administrative level of we're about to go get paid. These big schools are making a shitload of money and it looks better on their resume to beat a Mac team than it does to beat an FCS school or, or, or somebody even lower, you know? Yeah. Maybe not lower than FCS, but lower than you know, there are conferences out there that aren't nearly as good as the Mac. And and let's go get us a check and help them get a little bit better win. I, uh, I, I, I think they agree. were instructed to do that because almost all of these teams have three of those big games on their schedule instead of two. And boy, man, that just that's a hard pill it's to swallow. Brutal. Yeah, it, with Ohio that's, that's like, tough. They've got FAU coming in, uh, but I still think I'd that's see, a really I difficult think, one. I think, like I'm about to say, I think that's a tough game. I don't think they're gonna win that game. Yeah, FAU comes to Ohio, uh, but then they go to Penn State, they go to Iowa State. And then they play Fordham at home before they start off Mac play on the road at Kent State. Like it's That's right. now this isn't Washington, rough. Oklahoma, Georgia, but it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, no, it, it is certainly that. We'll move on to the Bowling Green Falcons and Scott Leffler, the coach there. Uh, it, it had the team looking fairly decent last year. Had that big upset win over Minnesota. I, you know. I don't know exactly what to make of it because when you look at the post-game win expectancy, eh, you know, it, it's tough to beat a team like Minnesota when you only have 192 yards of total offense in a game. But alas, they found a way to get it done. Um, went 4-8 and eight last year, went 2-6 and six in the conference. Their projected SP Plus record for this season is 5-7. and seven. They are number one in returning production in the country. 92% of their guys come back. Uh, 95% of their offensive production comes back. That is number one in the country. And their defense, 88% of their production comes back. That's number four in the country. Um, but having a bunch of returning you know, experience doesn't necessarily matter if the guys are not good. How much can you reasonably expect them to uh, to improve just because they've had a bunch of reps, Right. I think the team is going to still be okay, uh, but let's let's look at what they lost. They lost uh, the safety side, Dabney, um, and he transferred out. Uh, the right tackle, Jordan Murphy, and then the cornerback, Devin Taylor. Like those are the big losses for them. But I mean, they got a ton of guys back as far as their their top players: uh, linebacker Darren Anders, tight end Christian Sims, the quarterback Matt McDonald. I don't know, you know, how great, but he's going to be a key part of that offense. Wide receiver Austin Osborne, the defensive end Brooks, the safety Anderson. Uh, and then they got a Memphis transfer, the center, Jakari Robinson, and then a linebacker, DJ Taylor from Wake Forest, is coming in. So they should have the dudes. I don't know that the roster strength is is great, but Bowling Green is in a much better position now than they have been at any point in Leffler's uh, era, right? In in all the years that he's been coaching True. here, I think this is the best spot. Let's, let's talk uh, about the offense. Um Ten starters back on the offense, but will they improve? The team was number 123 in PPA per drive. They only averaged 4.9 yards per play. Uh, the quarterback, Matt McDonald, he threw six touchdowns, zero picks in the last four, game, uh, last four games last year, going two and two in the process. They need a running back to emerge. What can Scott Leffler do on offense to help this team improve this year? Uh, or do you have man, an idea? I, I, well, <laughs> I, I don't, so I don't have them being very good. But once again, this is one of the situations where 
another year in the system, and this guy, you've talked about this before, not being the guy there, went out, I think out of desperation, and grabbed all the transfers he could grab, hoping that that would be the difference maker for him. Um, and, and, man, I don't know that that's the answer because this is not like getting a bunch of P5 transfers going down to play with your school so they get starting time. You're taking other guys that aren't making it at D5 level and bringing them in. Um, I still got them 2-10. and 10. I think they're going to, you know, struggle to win football games. Uh, I, I don't know that you can build chemistry by just bringing in a bunch of guys that have never played together at all and hoping that it works. I, I might be wrong, but I've also been really down on this team for a long time. Well, I've, so they've got 10 starters back on the defense. Uh, they struggled against the run. They they played great. I was about to say, but how 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 good are those guys? We have this conversation. Exactly, yeah. Here. yeah. Bring, bringing a bunch of dudes back that sucked last year ain't, ain't really yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the equation to being good this year. They I wouldn't imagine that all 10 will actually be starting this go-round, which, which could be interesting. Uh, but regardless, you got guys with experience and whatnot. They played great against the pass. Uh, they got 18 turnovers from opponents, so that was certainly helpful. They got playmakers at every level of the defense. That includes four defensive linemen with 360-plus snaps each, some stud linebackers and defensive backs, etc. Uh, the keys to the season I've got here, keep the defense healthy, don't turn the ball over, clean up the penalties. They were number 114 in the country in penalties per game last year. Uh, you have got to find a way to improve this offense. Last year, I don't know if you remember this game, Leffler got ejected against Buffalo last year. And the offense, after he left the game, uh, the offense averaged 10.52 yards per play that was double, or almost double, double more than every other game on the schedule. Yep. So (laughs) what can they take from that one game where Leffler was not in what can they do to open this thing up and make it, you know, a little bit better? Uh, their offensive PPA per drive last year was 123. I mean, it, it, it's almost dead last. Their rushing success rate was number 119. Passing success rate was number 114. Uh, they were able to create some explosive plays, but my God, when you were that bad on everything else, uh, people almost don't expect you to do anything. So they were number 72 in that. Uh, this team, I think with the experience that's coming back, with some of the, the transfers that are coming in, I think they can be okay in some spots. This is another team that's got uh, a fairly difficult non-conference schedule. They play at UCLA, Eastern Kentucky, Marshall at home, and at Mississippi State. Uh, but the conference schedule sets up, you know, decent. I think they can win the game against Eastern Kentucky and then win three MAC games this year uh, just based on the schedule. I look for them to go probably four and eight. I I think they're going to be about the same as they were last year, and they could be more competitive in some of these other games. The question for me is going to be: after you lose all of this experience next year, how how bad of a drop off will you get in twenty twenty three? Like that's going to be crazy to me. So you've got them at two and ten. I've got them at four and eight. We shall see. We shall see. So you got this them the team. same as last year. Yeah, I've got them the same as last year. Um, which is which is crazy. Like they were pretty good last year. Probably should have been better than four and eight, but also maybe Probably. should have only been two and ten last year. Like that's the yeah. I was about, about to them. say, you know, that Buffalo game should they should they have won that game? And Buffalo was bad last year. Like yeah, well, let's just say it. Like they they weren't good either. And they really probably should they have won, beaten they, they they only won two conference games last year. Yeah, and they probably should not have beaten Minnesota, right? I mean, yeah. they beat them oh, fourteen no, no, to ten. No. Like that was a weird. That's right. 
Uh, so weird. All right, we got uh, we got two more. Let's go ahead and knock these bad boys out. We got Buffalo. The Buffalo Bulls, of course, head coach Maurice Lingist is the new head coach, and he took over. Again, this is another one that was late in the cycle last year, right after spring practice. Lance Leipold decides that he's going to Kansas. Uh, great for Kansas, terrible for Buffalo. And this will let you know just how quickly the culture of a program can can drop off. Right, they lost a bunch of dudes to transfer and whatnot, and we get that. But uh, if your culture is really, really good, and you keep at least some of those guys around, then you could maybe make something work. But they went, they went four and eight last year, and maybe should have been worse. They were three, eight, and one against the spread last year, uh, two and six in conference. Their projected record this year is six and six, according to SP Plus. Uh, returning production, they're number one hundred nine in the country, fifty three percent. Uh, offense, they're number 108 in returning production. They're going to have to redo this on the fly. Like the running back, Kevin Marks, the quarterback, Kyle Van Trees, they're both gone. Uh, the cornerback, Washington, the defensive end, Eric Black. You know, let's let's talk about the offense here. I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, the quarterback, I think, is maybe going to be Matt Murray. Uh, he at least got some quarterback snaps last year. Uh, transfer wide receivers, Justin Marshall coming in from Louisville, Booby Curry from Arizona. They should help because they are talented. Uh, offensive line has two guys returning. They played over 800 snaps each last year. Uh, they have one transfer that's coming in from UConn, Sidney Walker, that played over 500 snaps last year. I'm, you know, they got two transfers that hadn't really played a whole lot that are going to be on the offensive line. Uh, this offense was not good last year. Number 127 in, in explosive play rate. Uh, give me your thoughts here. I, I don't know what this team is going to be. Like we're still waiting on Lingus to to kind of show us what his culture is, what his what his team building is going to look like. Where do you think they're getting the six and six? The SP plus. Where so do you think that comes from? SP plus basically throws in uh, like team history. So uh, history of the team over the last That's five a, years. So- so there, there, therein lies the problem. Then, yes, we just, we just can't do this. I bitch about this every year. That, that I, I don't care who your grandfather was. I don't care who you were last year. It doesn't matter. All right, this team wasn't good last year, and I think they're going to be worse this year. I do because yeah. that offensive line. What, like, what, what do we know Buffalo as historically? A uh, great uh, run yeah. football team, right? Yes, like they'll hang five hundred yards on you on the ground. And now you're telling me they weren't good last year and their offensive line, we believe, is worse this year than they were last year. How in the hell do we think they're going to be better this year than they were last year? How does that math work? And Now, you could say it's because he's actually going to have a full offseason with his guys. Maybe that's it. But the problem is mm. you have lost a lot of guys. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's one way to look at it from a positive perspective. I'm with you. I've got them going 3-9. and nine. Uh, Their non-conference schedule here... Uh, they play da, 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 at Maryland, Holy Cross, at Coastal Carolina, uh, and then they play at UMass. So they've got what looks like two wins in the non-conference. Yeah, but, they got a couple of good ones, but you know, they got a couple of doozies. They got Akron at home, but they've also got Miami of Ohio. They've got Toledo. They've got Kent State at home. And then on the road, they've got at Ohio, at Bowling Green, at Central Michigan, at Eastern Michigan. Like, the road schedule does them no favors. And the home schedule certainly does them no favors. Like this is yep. this is tough for this bunch. Um, the secondary, by I got the way, them, I got them the same thing. Yeah, three and nine. By going the way, going three and nine. 
I I'll tell you this. I had them two and ten, and I looked at it a second time and thought they're going to get one of them. <laughs> I think they'll get one of these. Several of these games are going to be coin flip games. You know, I, yeah. Are they going to win all of them? No. Are they going to lose all of them? No. So I got to kind of give them another one. But yeah, that's kind of how I did the math on it. The uh, the secondary here is is full of transfers, just absolutely full of them. So I'm curious what they're going to look like. Um, you know, are they going to know the schemes well enough to be effective? That's going to be the question. The front seven, uh, it's stacked. I mean, they've got eight guys that have played over 200 snaps uh, last year. But, like, you know, how how much better can they be? Because the defense was number 114 in PPA per drive. They were number 130 in defensive explosive play rate allowed. Like, how much better can they get? And I don't know the answer to that. So I, I've got him three and nine as well. Um, you know, Linkus does actually know his roster now, so so that's good. Um, you know, he spent last April prepping to be the co DC at Michigan. So <laughs> this is this is a completely different thing. Uh, if they figure out who the quarterback's going to be, let the defense set the pace, slow the explosive plays, generate more explosive plays, and then fix their turnover problems. Um, it maybe like this is still a really tough job. Do you remember how tough? Well, that's this, a lot of- this Buffalo job was before Leipold took over. I mean, this was a tough ass well, yeah. job. Well, no, it was a bad job then, and it was just a tough job. It was a bad job. It, it was a job nobody wanted. Uh, I think Leipold changed that and 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 let people know that you know this is not you know such a bad place to work. Um, well, but you had to come I in just, and do it a different way, right? So my yes, yes, you had to, you got to you can't play the game straight up if you can't get the talent that the other guys have. The issue that I have with Buffalo in this is, um, oh, I'm sorry, I I have Buffalo four and eight. Maybe I. But anyway, that's like I said, one or two games here or there, uh, irrelevant. Um, <laughs> my my issue my issue with Buffalo and and you say like, oh well, he'll have a whole off season, like he should know his guys. By the end of last year, like when you get to play in football games in November, you don't get the excuse anymore that well I started the season you know, late and don't know these guys and we don't have chemistry. No, no, no. no. You're no longer a freshman. You're no longer a rookie. You're no longer a first-time head coach. Like, you've been doing this job for four or five months now. You know these guys. You know what they can do. You know what they can't do. And if you're not looking better then than you did in April or May or, you know, when you took over, obviously, or the season started in August, September, like, then that's on you. Then that's all on you. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can totally understand that they uh, they lost their last four last year. That was to Bowling Green at Miami of Ohio, yes, Northern Illinois, and at Ball State, all, uh, all conference games. Yeah, and and that's when you no longer get the benefit of well, I got here late, I was hired late, like I this you know whatever. Like if it's a thing where I didn't recruit these guys and these aren't my guys, that's one thing. But if you're just talking about those guys are just more experienced, but they're still the same guys that are there. Those guys in, in this August shouldn't be a whole lot different than they were last November. Two of and their, you got you got washed last November. They had four wins last year. Two of them were by one point. By so, one point. Yeah, twenty seven. They were to 26. all early in the season when you supposedly were fresh and green. Well, they they beat Ohio in October, like October sixteenth. Uh, Right, twenty seven, twenty six. That was the last win, though, wasn't it? Uh, no, they played at Akron the week no, after that, and it was forty five to ten. That's right. Like, <laughs> okay. Tom Arth was on his way out. But I mean, so, but, but like you said, they they walked they walked it the rest of the season. Man. Yeah, like they didn't win another game. 
Yeah, after after getting just steamrolled by that Bowling Green team, which was and this is so and this weird. is not like power teams that you were playing. These are other just conference teams yeah. that weren't great last year. Like some of these teams were five hundred or you know barely over five hundred. How crazy that, that in, in game three of the year last year uh, on the schedule they they lost to Coastal Carolina by three points. It was twenty eight twenty five. That was such a weird game. Yep. So. All right, let's uh, let's. Well, talk that's about the when last we one. kind of thought that maybe they would be, you know, the not decent? too far off of what Lance had. Yeah, yeah, that's because we, we thought, thought Coastal was really good. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right, all right. Last one. Last one. To the Akron. You better believe it. The Akron Zips. Let's talk about the changeover. All right, Tom Arth is gone, and they have hired in. Former Oregon offensive coordinator, former Mississippi State head coach, and former Penn State offensive coordinator slash Fordham head coach way back when, Joe yep. Moorhead takes over a 2-10 and football team that went 1-7 and in the conference last year. Their projected SP-plus record this year is 3-9, and and I got to tell you, I don't see them getting to 3. This roster is not a very good roster. Uh, now I will tell you the returning production is number eighteen. Uh, yeah, number eighteen in the country. Seventy six percent of their production is coming back. It's number seventy eight on offense and number two on defense. But the defense was an absolute dumpster fire last year, Chris. Number one twenty nine in defensive PPA per drive. Number one thirty in defensive rushing success rate allowed, and number one twenty five in defensive passing success rate allowed. Uh, people may look at these numbers. And say, wait a minute. So, if they were that bad, why was their explosive play rate like actually ranked relatively high, like at number fifty-eight? Well, the answer there is because when you can get five yards on any play that you want to, you don't have to bust fifty yarders all the time. Like you come out, yeah. you run the clock, and you just get out of there. Uh, and that's what everybody did against Akron last year. Uh, you look at the defense, the secondary is the best unit, but it's not great. The front seven is severely lacking this year. Uh, and this was the issue last year. They were next to last in, in FBS and PBA per drive, what I just talked about. Um, they're only number 105 in roster strength, according to the guys over at CFB Winning Edge. They did bring in a new defensive coordinator, right? And obviously, you're going to bring in a new staff when you're Joe Moorhead. But Moorhead brought an analyst from Oregon with him named Nick Toth, and once you got into March, Nick Toth left for Air Force uh, to be a position coach. So, Moorhead had to bring in Tim Tibisar. I'm hoping I say that right, who was fired as the defensive coordinator in the middle of the year last year at Oregon State. So, the defense is going to have to improve consistency and success here. That's a big issue. Uh, the offense, you know, it's it's Moorhead. Like, we got to figure out what they got. Um they got big losses, obviously. The cornerback, Watts, that's a big loss. Uh, quarterback, Zach Gibson, you know, at the end of the year last year, he wasn't the guy, but he's, you know, it would have been nice to have had him. Linebacker, Michael Scott, and the wide receiver, Kanata Mumfield, who left to go to Pitt, by the way. Nobody talks about that. Pitt took their uh, best wide receiver. Uh, regardless, their top players, uh, the quarterback, DJ Irons, they brought in running back Cam Wiley from Minnesota. I think that's going to be awesome. And then the wide receiver, Shaki Jacques Luis from Pitt. That's going to be a pretty cool swap there. Uh, the quarter or the quarterback DJ Irons, Chris. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He is six foot six, two hundred fifteen pounds. Um, 
I think that he is going to do a lot of what Moorhead has done everywhere he's gone. He's going to run the quarterback quite a bit. Uh, Irons averaged 11.4 carries per game last year. I don't think this is going to be an overnight success on this. The roster is just not good enough. It's a big, big rebuilding job. And I think that Joe just wanted to be the head coach again. Is that kind of what you feel on this one? Well, I think so, but I also think that he thinks he can win in the match. Like, maybe not this year, because it's obviously going to be a rebuilding year, but I, I think in a you know in a year or two, I don't think they're super far away from being competitive, from being there, because of the transfer portal, because of, I think, his ability to coach guys up from an offensive standpoint. I, I think they're going to be okay this year. I think they're going to struggle to get two wins. That's that's where I am. <laughs> they're uh, hey, their non-conference schedule, by the way. They open with St. Francis, so you should open up with a win. That should be good. You yeah, know, start off one and get your W. Then you sure. play at Michigan State, at Tennessee, at Liberty. You got Bowling Green coming in at home. Like that's going to open up your MAC play is Bowling Green at home. Um, going to be this is going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting. That's, that's your chance. That's your chance to get a win. You got that right. St. Francis right there. I've got them going 2-10. and ten. Like, I got them beating Bowling Green, but I don't, you know. I just, I think Same somewhere thing. they are going to get a, a Mac win. I just don't They'll know They'll find a win because I think, Joe, I think Joe is a good coach. And I think yeah. this is the level where he can not just be successful, but he could be long-term successful. I think he's tried his hand with the big boys at Mississippi State. Didn't work out. And, and I think this is a place that he can – you know, not only find success, but but find real success, and uh, and and be one of those long term Matt coaches for for a while and build something. I I think you're right there. Uh, I'll tell you what he's going to fix off like right off the bat. The rushing success rate for this bunch last year was number 93 in the country. Uh, you bring in Cam Wiley, you let DJ Irons do his thing. I would imagine they are going to fix that pretty easy. They they should be better than the three yards per carry that this team was last year. Uh, along with that, you know, I, can the defense make stops, right? Defensive explosive rate was decent, again, like I said. Um, but other teams, they are going to have to find a way to slow down some teams on defense. I don't know that they've got the personnel to do it. Uh, I just don't think they'll do that this year. No, I don't think so. I, I've got them 2-10. Uh, you have you got the same thing. Same thing. And like I said, I'm assuming it's the Bowling Green team because I don't think they're very good. But, you know, I think they'll win a game. I think he's good enough to catch somebody. Oh, the Mac's always crazy. I would imagine once we get into November, like they've, you know, they'll get somebody. They've got Eastern Michigan at home. They play at Buffalo. You know, they'll, they'll find somebody that they can beat. And who knows? I mean, Ohio... Like, maybe that's a team uh, after that Bowling Green game. They can come in there and get one of those. They, I think it's possible that they win uh, several of these games. I just don't find it likely as of yet. That's right. So, oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying it's not possible. And we've been real wrong on this show in the past. About <laughs> we certainly teams. have. So, we'll be pulling this for conference him. last year. Yeah. yeah. No, no. We like Joe and we want, we want to see him do better. But, yeah, I'd like the Mac to get back to being fun. You got that right. But right now, I just don't think it is, man. I don't think it's fun like it used to be. No, it's it's not the same that it was. This in, is one of those yeah. conferences that has not done a very good job of staying relevant and evolving with the game. As the game has gotten more fast-paced and explosive, the MAC has stayed in the mud, 
slowing the game down um, and, and, and haven't evolved to a more athletic style of football. And, uh, and I think that's hurt them. I think that's hurt them a lot because you see these Mountain West teams, you see the American, and, you know, the MAC didn't used to take a second place to any G5 school in no. the past. And now, and now they, they're falling like crazy. It like, is it's strange. Teams that yeah. are a lot better than them. It's strange how it is uh, how it's turned over, right? At, ever since PJ Fleck yeah. went undefeated, uh, this this league has not been the same. Not been the same. That's right. Uh, but you never know. We might talk about some good things once we get into the MAC West. You never know. We'll That's talk right. about that on uh, on the Thursday show. Chris, is there anything else that uh, you feel like we need to discuss? No, I think we're good, brother. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. I'm not going to do a whole long spiel. What I'm going to tell everybody is take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.